Welcome to Handbook for Humanity, a program supported by the DeSarmo Foundation covering the profound teachings of St. John Paul II that explore the truth about the body, the spirit, and sexuality. I'm your host, Tom Vietar, and I'll be joined by Adele Gio and Becky Landry, experienced students and teachers of the beloved Pope's most famous work, The Theology of the Body. Thanks for tuning in today as we unpack JP2's life-changing writings and how we can apply their rich teachings to our daily joys and challenges. Thank you for joining us today. We are really excited about bringing you this episode. Um, This is still kind of in the beginning of uh, the content that we're going to be sharing with you guys from the Theology of the Body, and um, but it does, uh, in a a way... uh, begin into a new territory, talking mm-hmm. about three experiences. Um, and we'll start off with uh, with the first one in that three. And um, I really like this part of our show because it kind of starts to dig down into the deep part, um, but also very relatable part, I think, for our time, Becky, yeah. that what's going on today, mm-hmm. there's a lot of noise in our society and stuff that kind of separates us, I feel, from what we're going to discuss today. So this kind of brings us mm-hmm. back into um, maybe doing some things that are on a personal level. I think our audience is going to be able to learn some stuff that might be some tools and skills that they can say, hey, wait a second. Um, I got the ability to maybe say no to certain things mm-hmm. and maybe refocus in on some others. So mm-hmm. kind of let us know a little bit about where we're going to go today. Yeah. So before we jump into uh, those original experiences, as we call them, uh, and we'll talk more about that, I just want to start with the thesis statement of theology of the body. It's it's the thesis statement in 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 the way that it's expressed, especially in when we're teaching it, and and we're going to circle back to this quote from the actual text of Theology of the Body repeatedly, and we invite you, if any at any point you get a little lost or it seems a little deep, just to go back to that quote and <laughs> read it again. Because we will. <laughs> or think about it again, because we will. Yeah, yeah and that's we will. why we're here. We're circling we're back. And so we want to really say this in the beginning before we even jump into the early content. Um, this is from Theology of the Body 19.4, which you'll learn kind of how those numbers come together, right? Chapter 19. Chapter, well. Paragraph 4. Yeah, audience 19. Audience 19. Mm-hmm. Audience 19, um, paragraph 4. So this is the, the thesis statement, as we call it, for the Theology of the Body. The body, in fact, and only the body, is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. It has been created to transfer in the visible reality of the world the mystery hidden from eternity in God and thus to be a sign of it. So I'll say it again. (laughs) The body, in fact, and only the body, is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. It has been created to transfer in the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity in God and thus to be a sign of it. And we're going to unpack this uh, with the words of John Paul II and different ways that we've uh, learned to explain it, talking about key terms and deep, beautiful concepts that come from the actual teaching of theology of the body. And we'll begin from the beginning, right? We'll begin from the beginning. Uh, we already have an episode we had. If you didn't, hadn't heard it before, you can find that on uh, Christ Our King Radio website and go back and listen. But we did a, a top uh, a, a podcast already, starting in the beginning, in the right? Beginning, correct. And and now we're moving on to uh, really deepening in. We're still talking about in the beginning, the words of Christ from the beginning, but we're deepening into some specific things that John Paul II uh, broke open for us about our own original experiences um, that echo in our hearts, the original experiences that echo in our hearts. We can't say that they were our own. They were actually the experiences of, of of the first man and woman. But these experiences echo in our hearts, and we'll talk about that. So I'm going to throw it over to Adele and let her give you um, some things in a nutshell, and then we'll dig in some more. Okay, that's great, Becky. Mm -hmm. Um, The the first of the three original uh, experiences 
is original solitude. And I do want to say that these original things uh, are back to the beginning, as John Paul calls it, and uh, that the Lord called it when he was speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew 19, that the the beginning uh, refers to, in the Bible, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. This is before the fall. That's the beginning. Okay. So in the beginning, uh, this original solitude that we're going to discuss today, um, man was placed in the garden to till and keep it. That was the instructions. Okay. But God says, as time has passed, we don't know how much time, a little, some. um, God says, hmm, it's not good for the man to be alone. I want to make a help similar to himself. I want to make a help similar to himself. So we know the story. God brings the animals to the man so that he can name them. By naming them, he realizes that he is superior to them. He sees what he is not. He sees his dissimilarity from the animals. Man is alone because he is different. He knows that he is not an animal. Animals are not persons. Persons possess self-knowledge, self-possession, freedom, reason, the capacity to love, to love God and to love one another, and the ability to do good or evil. Animals possess none of this. The topic is original solitude, as we said. Solitude, John Paul says, has two meanings. One meaning is derived from man's very own nature. The second meaning of solitude is derived from the relationship between male and female. So we'll be discovering those as we uh, unpack this a little more. The word man referred to in in the creation story originally in Hebrew is ha-adam, lowercase a. It's not his name like your name is Tom or your name is Becky. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a generic term of some sort, okay? Ha-Adam. But after the creation of the woman with the, from the rib, that same man, Ha-Adam, is now referred to in Hebrew as Is, and the woman is Issa. This is in the Hebrew translation. And those two words, Is and Issa, are Hebrew for male and female. So there is a difference that is made, John Paul says, between the time the man was alone and it Mm -hmm. wasn't good in the garden and when he awakes uh, from the the surgical (laughs) removal of his his rib, you know, and and the woman is there. So now something is different, okay? Um, I know it loses something in translation, this is and isa, but uh, John Paul points out that this is important in the context of the solitude that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. He's different when he wakes up uh, and there's the woman there. Okay, okay. Um, so being placed in the garden to cultivate the ground, God sets the conditions of the first covenant. He is to name the animals. John Paul says that this is sort of a test, and by way of it, the man gains consciousness of his superiority. Man is in search of his own identity. He really doesn't know who he is mm. just yet, okay? He's learning. Yes. He's learning. He learns that he has the power of knowing with respect to the visible world. He affirms himself as a person. Mm-hmm. Okay, Thank Becky? You okay, oh, that's you. a little that's intro great. to that. Yeah, it's a great way to dive in. Um, so, 
John Paul II really um, gives us three original experiences, and we're going to be talking about all three of them. What Idell just broke, in, broke open for us is the experience of original solitude. We'll be doing original solitude, original unity, and original nakedness. But what we what we I want to start with a quote that kind of where John Paul II says that when we speak of these original experiences, we have in mind not so much their distance in time as rather their foundational significance. So they're foundational for us now today. This is this is me now speaking out of <laughs> about what their foundation the foundational significance of these original experiences are for us. They he says the important thing about them, therefore, is not that these experiences belong to man's prehistory, but that they are always at the root of every human experience. They are always at the root of every human experience. That is true, he says, even though in the unfolding of ordinary human existence, we pay little attention to these essential experiences. Indeed, these experiences, they are so interwoven into the ordinary things of life that we generally do not realize their extraordinary character. The revelation of the body helps us in some way to discover the extraordinary character of what is ordinary. And he goes on to say about, um, about these original experiences, as we experience them, post-fall, like I said, we can't really say that they were our original experiences to begin with because the first man and woman experienced them before the fall in a way that we have not yet um, experienced them. And because of their unique and unrepeatability, in a way, we won't mm-hmm. <laughs> really right. experience them. Right. They are for us now in our unique and unrepeatable, that's that's a term you'll hear often, um, um, constitution, the way that we were made to receive <clears throat> this exper- these experiences in our own to recognize that we have them um, as echoes inside of us. And so the quote for the echo of these experiences, he says, is after original sin, man and woman were to lose the grace of original innocence. The discovery of the spousal meaning of the body, which we'll speak a lot about, um, was, to ce- was to cease being for them a simple reality of revelation and of grace. He says, yes, this meaning was to remain a task given to man by the ethos, which is like the sentiment or the the distinguishing character of the gift of man and woman inscribed in the depth of the human heart as a distant echo. And even through the veil of shame, right, post-fall, we we experience the shame of of uh, the fall and sin and and evil, man was continually to discover himself in it as a guardian of the mystery in order to defend this freedom from any reduction to the position of a mere object. So we are guardians of a mystery in these original experiences that we're breaking open, a guardian of a mystery. Hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Good time right here to uh, to take a quick break for us, uh, and we're going to continue that thought right after this. If you're just joining us, this is Handbook for Humanity, and we've been discussing original solitude. This program is supported by the Desarmo Foundation, located at 1331 Jefferson Street in Lafayette, Louisiana. In its 24th year, the Desarmo Foundation is Acadiana's only Catholic-based nonprofit organization with a pregnancy center, maternity home, and chapel that help women through challenging times during unplanned pregnancies. To find out more about the Desarmo Foundation, visit desarmofoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X foundation.org. And let's jump back into that solitude, Miss Becky. All right. So to go back to restating um, what uh, Adele shared in a nutshell, and I gave some context for, original solitude is man and woman's experience of being alone before God in creation, a fundamental in- experience for him in his identity and relationship to God and the created world. It is a state of coming to be in awareness for man and woman, and this experience is vital to our foundational 
growth in being able to make a gift of ourselves in original unity, which is the topic we'll talk about next. But it's important to say that this is a foundational experience. Um, without this experience, we can't give what we don't have, mm. what, we, what we don't, we haven't already acquired for ourselves. I've heard that before. Yes, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, so just to kind of give you a sense of like how foundational this is about the person and us in our unique and unrepeatable identity in relationship to God. Um, these are some of the terms and the phrases that, that come up when we're talking about original solitude. When John Paul II is talking about original solitude, he, he says, in original solitude, man is in search of his essence, of his own identity. We've said that word a couple of times, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yes. In the experience of solitude, he finds his own subjectivity. And subjectivity is a word, a big word, but it's really a word that is um, is meant to talk about relationship, like that we were made for relationship. That's what our subjectivity means. So we find our own um, our own ability to receive and to give in relationship in the experience of solitude. Thus, the created man finds himself from the first moment of his, of, of his existence before God in search of his own being. As it were, one could say in search of his own definition. Today, one would say in search of his own identity. Mm-hmm. This has to do with, he uses words like self-consciousness, self-determination, authentic understanding, self-knowledge. Um, he reveals himself to himself. Ma he, that's actually the words of John Paul II, that man in the experience, and woman in the experience of original solitude, reveals himself to himself in all the distinctiveness of his being before God. Mm. Amazing, right? Um, so original solitude includes both self-consciousness, self-determination. As a subject of the covenant, which that sounds really heady, but it means that we are like, and this is the term John Paul II uses, we are partners of the absolute. Who is the absolute? The creator, the one who is um, and has been and always will be. I but, am who am. Yes, and we're invited to partner with him in this experience of solitude, mm. in coming to know ourselves and the visible world around us that he has created. Um, it's important to say, you know, that this experience of solitude, um, we talk about the two different accounts of Genesis, one being when man and woman appear together, right? Yes, yes. Um, but then also the older uh, of yes. the text, talking about the individual creation of man and then woman. Yes. So that we know that each one of them had this experience of solitude separate from one another. And yes. there's there's a bibl biblical reality to that. If you if you think about how Genesis talks about Adam in relationship to God and naming the animals and then he he's put to sleep, which you're, we'll talk more yeah. about in the next um the next <clears throat> episode, but and and it is when he is asleep that Eve has her experience with God alone. So all these really important pieces of self-awareness, self-understanding, self-determination, understanding that you're a partner of the absolute. When I talk about we understand that we were made for relationship before we're given to each other as man and woman, we don't understand it fully because we don't have another person with a body like ours, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Created to be in communion. We'll talk about that more. But we are with another person, which is actually three persons, right? We didn't know that. Of course, Adam didn't know that either, but he's he is before God. So he's learning relationship. He's learning to receive and to give in relationship so to God. So Adam's original relationship is with God. Yes. Yes. So he had a singular relationship with God before Eve even came along. And she had her own relationship, Correct. her singular relationship with God before being given as a gift to Adam. Yeah, so that's he was very out, important. Yeah, with the uh, God's yeah. anesthesia, right? When yeah, he was yeah. out. <laughs> oh, we're going like to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that, that was a time of separation there too, where it was just Eve and God. Th I right? think that's what she's referring to, yes. you know, just that private time with God, mm -hmm. private and yes. alone. Mm -hmm. So I just, this is, and this is part of what he says. He says, it, um, 
The statement of Yahweh, it is not good that man should be alone, appears not only in the immediate context of the decision to create a woman, I want to make him a, a help similar to himself, but also in the wider context of motives and circumstances that explain more deeply the meaning of man's original solitude. So there's there's something deeper. It's not just about many times when we're teaching theology of the body, when I ask, um, you know, what was happening in the garden? Um, well, okay, oh, so Adam, right? And, and, and okay, so you, Adam was created and... Um, then what? Well, he, he was lonely. I said, well, wait a minute, hold on, back up. <laughs> we don't want to jump to he was lonely because in the, at that time, there was no deprivation. There was a reason why he was yearning for something more mm. because he was made for more. But it was, it was actually, there's something, he says, John Paul II is pointing to the fact that there's more to be spoken of in that experience of original solitude that is foundational in relationship to God before we move on to to giving ourselves away or receiving the other in relationship. So that's that's really kind of the the rock bed that we plant our feet on in moving forward through this this teaching. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I think that's a good place for us to jump into some conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a some breath. Real, just some real conversation about mm-hmm. all of that. So yeah, um, let's look at some of the um, some of the things that we could we could talk about. In uh, to guide, we have some questions to guide our conversation. One of them being, what are some of the things that come up for you? We're going to talk about that amongst ourselves. We're also asking you, the listener, to think about mm-hmm. these things, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that come up for you as you hear the quote from John Paul II about the nature of original experiences, meaning the nature of relationship, of being in relationship to God before being given in relationship to the other? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, uh, I'm going to throw some common man experiences, some man on the street stuff. Um, And again, I would like to reference um, some of the materials that we do have at uh, at some of the uh, trainings and teachings um, that you'll um, have uh, the ability to actually go to. We do have live teachings that we'll explain more about um, where Adele and Becky are there um, doing their their sessions uh, live and in person. Um, And one of the books that they bring along, um, and I'm so glad that this book is actually available by Christopher West, it's called Theology of the Body for Beginners. So he does a great job because yes. some people get, like myself, intimidated by the big book. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the big book being the multi, multi-page one that is written. Um, 657 600, pages. Yes. Uh, man <laughs> and big. woman, he created them, yep. right? Yes. So, um, so the Theology of the Body book. But just to, to talk a little bit from this book and, and some of the, the uh, thoughts I have about this situation. So I, I got to admit, ladies, um, when this came up through Becky's notes, which she does a great job of preparing mm. us for this, I was actually originally sad. Mm. I was a little down because I, but 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 later, got a little bit of joy uh, because um, solitude in the beginning really made me think about being alone mm-hmm. and lonely, uh-huh. and that that was not a good um, place that I was in to think of who really liked to do that, you know, and then but what came of that from from just a little bit of reading and some research was. I think in this, in this, using these words, this part of it being a time to know yourself. Yes. Right. So just back up, and of course you're not alone, right? Just like mm-hmm. Adam wasn't alone, mm-hmm. um, but it was time for him to do some self-reflection, I think, and just beautifully tie it in with what you said, Becky. How can you expect to be able to be a helper for someone else? Mm-hmm. when you're not sure who you are yourself. Right. To me, you would be very confused at what skills and talents yeah. you could share with somebody to help them, right? So yeah. learning who you are. And, um, you know, I'll kind of put a little ding on some of my background. I do have a, a long, extensive background in working in technology companies and communication mm-hmm. companies. And for all of its value, which I think there's many, there's also some things that go along with that that I think have hurt us over time. Yeah. Um, and one of them, I think, is... Um, you know, tech makes it very difficult for people to be okay with being alone because it's always that extra thing that mm-hmm. you can kind of grab and um, and take the place of maybe some time. Yes. There are some 
moments and things that you can do with self-reflection through these tools and, and capabilities. But I think for the majority of the time, you know, people bring that into their lives a little bit more often possibly. And I'm going to say me personally, I'm guilty mm. of that at guilty. times. And mm-hmm. so having to, uh, to maybe do some restraint, but, uh, but really love it's that Lent. part. Yes, it's Lent. It's you can time. do it. <laughs> good time. At least right now as we're um, recording. Yeah. And just, you know, the overall thing for me, I think, is just don't confuse um, solitude with being alone. I think that was a big part that I that wanted to is, connect to. That is a really big part of, of really grasping and entering into what John Paul II is proposing to us is is solitude versus isolation. Yeah. And we have a great we have a great podcast that, yeah. we, that, we did, um, that you could go back and listen to on that topic. Um, I forget which number it is, but if you uh, you look, yeah, um, look on the uh, uh, Christ the King Radio website, you can find uh, where our podcast is and listen to that one with a little more about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, for for me, the the thoughts of this aloneness with God or the solitude with God, um, I, I remember seeing. I think it's in the Adoration Chapel at uh, Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, there was, I don't know if it's still there, but it was for a while, uh, a little sign, a placard, a poster, whatever, something, and it said, be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. You know, and that touched me in it, it because I am a, I'm a noisy person. I'm an active person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't sit down too much. Uh, so, you know, and I'm sure there's probably some other people out there in this day and time similar. But, um, you know, with active life, and uh, just to be still, and they they tell us always, often, you need to you need to settle down. You need to be quiet. You need to have some <laughs> quiet time. Whether it's you know in the bathtub, uh, just you know, it's not just to rejuvenate, but it's also to be used as a time to get to know yourself, to think, mm. to ponder, and to to listen to the voice of God. You know, um, that's that's a big one for me is to be still, to be just be still. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome words. Um, we're going to continue those thoughts as we go into the second part of our program. But it's a uh, time to move on to the second half. But before we do, we'd like to take this short break. Stay with us. Thanks for staying with us. And now back to today's edition of Handbook for Humanity. Okay, so I was I was uh, talking about being still mm-hmm. uh, before the Lord and just to listen. Like I said, that's hard for me, and I, I suspect it's hard for a lot of people as well. But there's such a wealth uh, of gifts uh, yeah. of self knowledge that that come when we do deliberately take that time to be still. It's sort of like you know, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Finally, <laughs> I'm finally quiet. You know, like maybe that's what was going on when he knocked out Adam. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, just to be still and to be quiet. Uh, for instance, um, you know, the whole one of the whole questions of the purpose of the theology of the body is to for Saint John Paul is to answer the question. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? You know, and and for me, it's kind of like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I? You know, and and you're not going to be able to come to that uh, understanding of who you are if you're always on the move, noisy, uh, never stop, never slow down, or always on that technology, looking at other people's business or, you know, Facebook or, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. we got to be alone sometime. And we've got to connect to the to the absolute, mm-hmm. uh-huh, mm-hmm. to the absolute, because we are his. He created us. Uh, we're not alone. He's very near, and he has, he has something he wants to tell us. He wants to convey to us. And so um, I know through the years when I do have those uh, rare moments of <laughs> quiet that I have been, I have been amazed at some of the things that he has shared with me mm. about me right. uh, and and his plans for me uh, and things like that. So uh, it's been well worth the little bit of, and it's almost like pittance of, uh, you know, quiet, solitude, time. Uh, maybe on a retreat yes. or, uh, you know, in the Adoration Chapel mm-hmm. or something. But but uh, they do come. They do come, and he has something to say if we will be quiet long enough to yeah. listen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, when I think about, you know, what we kind of um, started to share from the actual text, uh, I think of how this really affected my own life um, when I began to learn about um, being in relationship to God. I mean, I, I, I was already working for the church, already had experienced the love of God in a deep and personal way in my life. But to be able to sit there and think about that God desired that I would be alone with him, that he could reveal to me um, how he created me to be in relationship to him and the visible world around me, because that's, that's part of original solitude in uh, Adam and Eve's experience of being in solitude as different from all of creation. We've talked about that. Um and to really, to really just receive. So I, I picture it many times of you know this this constant exchange of love of the Trinity, right? And that love between the Father and the Son that we know, you know, the Father empties Himself out in the Son, and the Son receiving all of that, and then giving back to the Father all um, that has been given to Him and His own love, which creates the person of the not creates which is the person of the Holy Spirit um, in the the Trinity. And that that constant exchange of love was being experienced by Adam and by Eve in their experience of original solitude. Constantly, God was pouring his constant exchange of love of the Trinity was being poured out into them. There was momentum Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I think unless we get to that place of recognizing that there's momentum in solitude, it's though we may be, be, we are being still to receive, Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize it, that there is, there's a, um, there is a real dynamic of relationship and dialogue with God. Sometimes the dialogue is silence, Mm -hmm. right? But even there, something is being spoken more deeply to us. It's deeply. Mm -hmm. And but it's but this isn't just about this mystical experience of the interior life like we are talking about, you know, being in silence with God. It's also about the visible world around us and all that he created for us to be able to receive him and what he is speaking to us. How many times yeah, have we maybe been in um yeah. I will we'll take a little break I think right now and and come back to that thought. Uh-huh. Yep. Please keep that in mind, yeah. Miss Becky, cuz we're going to finish that up. But just want to let everybody know you're listening to Handbook for Humanity, a program supported by the Desarmo Foundation located at 1331 Jefferson Street in Lafayette. In its 24th year, the Desarmo Foundation is Acadiana's only Catholic-based nonprofit organization with a pregnancy center, maternity home, and chapel that help women through challenging times during unplanned pregnancies. To find out more about the Desarmo Foundation, visit desarmofoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X foundation.org. Mm. Yeah, so I, as I was saying about the um, this experience of solitude and 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 the, and that includes also the visible world around us. How many times have we been in a situation of solitude and something from nature mm. catches our attention yeah. that we would not have seen, mm-hmm. right? And it really mm-hmm. is a communication of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can think of um, specifically when I talk about beachcombing, finding whole sand dollars after looking for (laughs) so long at pieces and pieces and pieces. And it's all, you know, and I really felt that that was like a gift, you know, that Mm -hmm. was a really gift, a gift for me, especially in times when I'm doing it alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that space where I'm open to, um, I want to say something. Yes. Oh, so, um, one time I was walking and, uh, you know, this was long time ago, but I was beginning to be, it's kind of like Eve in the early mm-hmm. times of her being alone yes. with God. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so way back when, all right. So I'm walking in the neighborhood and I round the corner and right in front of me is this beautiful, older, big, huge, one of these Japanese magnolias that are all in bloom right mm-hmm. now, the pink, it was covered it was huge and it was shocking almost it almost took Mm -hmm. my breath away it was so beautiful so I come around the corner and I see it and I feel or hear within my interior these are for you Uh, 
Amazing. It was like a giant bouquet, yeah. ding, ding, ding. you know, <laughs> and it was just yes. like, oh, you know, yes. and I, I don't know what I was thinking of, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, I had a lot on my mind as I always do. But, you know, those were for me. Those and they were for you. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Well, you see, and that's just that's the whole concept of like I'm talking about how with this trinitarian constant exchange of love that we understand, mm-hmm. right? As part of our faith, um, being poured out into Adam um, and Eve in their separate experiences of solitude, right? Um, it was not. They then automatically were giving back themselves to God mm-hmm. in relationship because we know that it said that they were walking and talking with God. Mm-hmm. It was a conversation. Mm-hmm. There was give and there was receiving, you know, in both directions. Mm-hmm. So in some way, Adam and Eve are being caught up into that constant exchange of love of the Trinity in the experience of original solitude, but they were made for more. Mm-hmm. They were made for more. So that's really where this experience of feeling alone and desiring more, which was God intended to give them to one another, right, was coming from, was in the design, mm-hmm. not the deprivation. Mm-hmm. It was in the design of God that they were made for more. They were made for each other. They were made for him primarily. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes, we, we, we believe that. That is part of fundamental in our belief that we were made for God and for God alone you in some mine. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that But we were made for more in being given away to the other in God's plan, right? And right. so that's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not a deprivation. It's a made-for-more thing, mm-hmm. right? I love that so much. Beautiful. Yeah. The, um, just to add to your your beach um, comment that you made mm-hmm. earlier, um, very yeah. similar to, to my wife, Lisa, um, has this, this quote that she says, uh, the beach is where she finds God. Yeah. Which is, it draws her to that. That's our favorite vacation spot. She's yes. uh, often wanting, and in fact, we may be due for a trip here soon. So uh, coming up. Yeah. <laughs> might have to <laughs> look at to doing something with that. Yeah, yeah. that would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, let, let me ask you guys this um, and, and maybe weigh in. Imagine um, in, in that time and in, in our time today, um, what could happen if you don't have that? time of solitude. Yes. Right? So, and that, what what it really gave me an image of was, you know, I know that we cannot experience what Adam and Eve did because we're not there with them, um, but that echo is there. And, I, and that echo, I was imagining that echo where as newborn babies, we're constantly learning individually about ourselves, right? Of course, we have that attachment. So in Mm -hmm. in some ways, there's very similar. Mm -hmm. And then imagine, you know, in a modern day time frame, as people do experience where they they can't get through that part, Mm -hmm. they they don't have that self awareness of who Mm -hmm. they really are through whatever experience they've unfortunately had. So is that, can you guys kind of chime in on that? Is that kind of the right path of modernizing this concept to say, even today, um, what could happen from a positive standpoint when when the child is given time mm-hmm. or attention to be able to walk through that? And then, of course, there's cases when that does not happen yeah. um, and, and the parameters of that. Yeah, that's why I think this is why John Paul II gave us what he has given us is to really ponder that mm-hmm. and to really understand that that, that is, um, this is the key to opening, that even though there's a missed a fundamental missed experience of life or or some place where we've gotten stuck where we haven't been able to really understand those echoes that mm. there are really that's that's something like I love our proclamation of theology of the body, the confidence that I have in proclaiming it, no matter how <laughs> hazy my head might get and how hard it is for us to get out the actual words that are written before we break them open, the confidence that that um is in what he has said that these drive our everyday experiences, these echoes of original solitude, original unity, original nakedness. Uh, they drive our everyday experiences. And if we, if we miss the, the signal graces or the signals that would come from knowing those echoes, there is always the ability to make a return. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Echoes echo. <laughs> they don't stop. You know, like yeah. it is something that that continues to call us to that attention. And it's in speaking about this that we can help others, hopefully, at, who's, who've never even conceived of such a thing because their whole lives may have been mm-hmm. caught up with screen after screen after screen. That really is what happens to some of our children these yeah. days. Yep, unfortunately. Right? Okay, I have, I have yes. a comment. Mm-hmm. And um, you said earlier on when you were um, sort of giving us the analysis or the explanation of the, the solitude, you said that these experiences are always, and you repeated it twice, mm-hmm. always at the root of our experiences. That's what John Paul okay. said. Okay, they're mm-hmm. always at the root, whether you know it or not. Whether you hit, whether you were taught it, whether mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, yes. I didn't know. <laughs> right. Okay, okay, but they're always at the root of our experiences. And the question, and I led this um, when we were introducing ourselves, and we were talking in episode sixty uh, of the Handbook for Humanity, uh, that in one of our earliest and first uh, KLFT programs, mm-hmm. uh, that Brenda Desarmo, our founder. Uh, of uh, the Desarmo Foundation, when she uh, encountered me in my knowledge of the theology of the body, and she said about the root cause, mm-hmm. she said that the, these women, the number of women in crisis pregnancy never goes down because apparently we've never addressed the root cause. Now use that word root, root cause, and then go back to always um, these echoes are always at the root of all of our experiences and the children who grew up uh, and they never knew and they don't know, but it's still the root Yes, because they have the echo. They don't know it. But what if that is the root cause of all these crisis pregnancies? Because they're, cause they're not identified. So then, I mean, you know, uh, yes, underlying everything yes. that's piled on top yes. of that and their experiences, mm-hmm. whether they were you know, abused as children or whatever. They never got to know them, who they really right. were before God and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, that just struck me when you said that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you th- and if you think about when we talk about children going from screen to screen to screen to screen, like that the majority of their lives have been have been before screens rather than right. in relationship, eye contact, you think about how they miss. The, uh, it's a missing experience missing. of development that we have generationally we have we're talking we've talked about this in the earlier episodes how generationally we've been deprived of much of what was create in the created world for us to experience and to develop in a healthy way towards created world as in nature created world in as relationship with each other and the primary relationship of knowing that we were created for god and for god alone and that is enough Mm-hmm. That is enough. In a sense, I have to tell this story right here. When I say this is enough, I have a friend who is um, who has chosen a, 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 to live a life of celibacy uh, for the kingdom, small v, uh, not yeah. a consecrated uh, at least yet, but um, is living that out. And he was talking about this experience of prayer, where very often he would go to God when he felt inadequate, and he would say, "You know, Lord, I just need to hear you say that I'm enough." And and the Lord would affirm. You are enough. Hmm. You are enough. Mm-hmm. And one time he was sitting with God and he was like, this is, I'm just aching with this loneliness, you know, and and I, I just need to hear you say that I'm enough. And instead of the usual enough. feeling the Lord saying you are enough, he says, no, you are not enough. Hmm. And he was like, is that the, is that from the devil or is <laughs> that from God? What is this? And and immediately came, we are a we. And he understood mm. that what was being communicated to him was that he was not enough without him. And that we as a we are is the Trinitarian reality of God. And we are never alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the loneliness that he was expressing a desire to be touched in by knowing that he was enough was given much more than he was expecting that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. In fullness of of recognizing all that is given to him in that conversation with God about being enough. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. I, um, do we have time? Oh yes, yeah. we're still going. Okay. Um, I remember, and I've repeated this on several of the podcasts. 
uh, an experience I had. I was in Quebec as a chaperone, Our Lady of Beaupre, um, Blessed Mother's Mother, St. Anne. Uh, and it's a place of healing, which I didn't think I needed healing. <laughs> I hadn't spent much quiet time before God. I didn't know too much about myself. Anyway, uh, but but there were a lot of memories because I had been there 30 years earlier, and then a lot of life had happened since then. And uh, not all of it was pleasant. You know, life happens. And I, I was reflecting that particular moment in my life, that, that week, uh, there was a, my, my husband had lost his job, and uh, I was very, you know, hurt. You know, wh- you know. I mean, what are we going to do now? Uh, and anyway, so so I'm reflecting all that, and I'm in this beautiful basilica, and um, when I knelt to receive Holy Communion at the communion rail, they had one, mm-hmm. you know, and and as soon as my knee touched the communion rail, I burst into tears. Mm. I didn't know why. And I couldn't control it. And it was this deep, like mourning uh, of just uh, maybe the sadness that I had held in, uh, you know, kept squashed down or keep it, you know, keep it under the pressure cooker kind of thing. Um, Of all the pain, of all the pain that had happened over those 30 years since the last time I'd been there. And I could not stop crying. I couldn't. It was just coming up as a volcano. And um, I remember returning to my place uh, after having received Holy Communion, um, just, I guess, feeling sorry for myself or not understanding Mm -hmm. what was happening. And the little voice, that small voice that said, but I have been with you through it all. So yeah. there you go again. Mm-hmm. It's the we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good or bad or ugly, it's we. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of things. Um, one on the idea of forever, I've been hearing the phrase of, you know, time is passing so fast. Mm. And, you know, just looking at it, Nadell and Becky both say this, and you, you're going to hear it quite often that, theology of the body is nothing new, that, that this is a, a lens that's looking at Scripture. Um, and, and I wanted to just sit here and, and see if you guys would comment on looking at this concept of uh, solitude in the sense of what our fast-paced world can do to that. Because what, what I was thinking was, even though um, everyone's wanting to grow up fast— and if, if you're missing that initial part, which is learning about yourself, who you are, the dignity of yourself to try to go on. We do have the ability to know what show is going to be next. And I have these two lovely ladies who <laughs> join me. So so the next one, um, if I'm not mistaken, it talks about unity, right? Yes, and so, so we have the ability to, to look at that. And then, you know, you see people basically trying to quickly move mm-hmm. from solitude to yes. unity right away, right? <laughs> and so it's like, oh, you want the world to slow down, right? And, and then, I, but in the wisdom, now, you know, people in, in my life, mostly, you know, grandparents and parents used to talk, you know, don't be in such a hurry, you know, mm-hmm. but Rome listen, wasn't built in a day. <laughs> yeah, listen to it. Early bird gets the worm. Yeah, listen to it, <laughs> yeah. listen to it, listen to listening to that through this lens, I see really what they were talking about, mm-hmm. the importance of, of that time. Yeah. Yeah. Any? Yeah. Slow, slowing down is, um, if you don't do it willingly and deliberately, your body's going to do it sooner or later, and it's going to slow you down. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, uh, I remember one time I was in the hospital, and I was looking at the ceiling in the bed, you know, and I'm going, how did I get here? You know, mm-hmm. what? It, what is what happened? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know, you know, and it was, you know, it was something that was, you know, it wasn't serious, but um, it, it was part of this running around nonstop, you know, sooner or later, your body's going to say, no, I ain't going there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm done. And, uh, and you will have to slow down. So, uh, and I can say that from my age, I'm older than any of y'all. And, and I do see it. I feel it. You know, time is, time is passing, but, um, but everything needs to slow down, and and it is, the, yeah. you know, everything is, um, must be part of God's uh, plan, so that we can um, begin to think about, ponder, 
Who who am I? If you if you missed it back when you were twenty, yeah, okay, uh, that's okay. Uh, you'll catch it Got later. Chance, yeah. <laughs> when you get older, you'll find out. You know, but but if you knew who you were earlier on, how much more productive and rich your life could be. Yeah. You know, and, and you fruitful. Took the time. Yeah, yeah, if you took the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other part, kind of tying into that, dovetails really nice in Becky's idea of it's never. Um, it's never over, right? So you've, mm-hmm. you've always got a chance, just a, a yeah. wonderful story I'd like to share with, with a friend of mine, um, someone who I consider a mentor uh, from the Lafayette area, Mark uh, Weber, mm-hmm. um, just a, a lot of uh, graces he shared with me over the years. And he told me this story about basically was, he wasn't a, very knowledgeable about theology of the body, but in this situation, this fits in really nice, as he talked about if you didn't maybe develop or you have some wounds back when you were younger mm-hmm. that didn't allow you to develop and know who you are better, your dignity, revisit that younger you. And now oh, with the yes. knowledge that you have mm-hmm. is to walk with that yes. younger you mm-hmm. and go, you're going to be all right. Look yeah. at this, you know, and sort of heal those wounds mm-hmm. that that was. And I, I, visually, I was like, oh, that's, that's an incredible story. Um, but, you know, just maybe... Um, a tool that somebody can use to use what that. we're talking about. It, yeah. it, it brings back again that that echo of original solitude in us is is given to us to call mm. us to those exactly those experiences of recognizing that we can make a return in the places where we have deprivation because we do experience deprivation post fall, um, and and to be able to receive God is infinite. Like he is able to give us more and better than we could ever hope for or imagine in the things that we have suffered mm. um, and the things that we are missing. And so, um, you know, of course, there are things that sometimes he leaves us with, um, like uh, St. Paul says that, you know, thorn in the flesh. Oh, but yeah. even those things are meant to draw us back to him repeatedly they're like little their signal graces mm-hmm. hey don't forget about me <laughs> yeah, I, I could re, i could remove yes, that thorn right. but, but uh you would forget no. about me yeah 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 you can <laughs> you do it John. um so, tom yeah. when you you were mm-hmm. saying uh about your friend and return to those younger yous or whatever that um, there's a whole industry built on this called psychology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, that will sit down and bring you back. Well, why? You yeah. know, why am I like I am? Well, let's go back and think about that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I do remember, you know, the admonition to when you go back to those hurtful places, mm-hmm. those broken places, hold the hand of Jesus and Mary uh-huh. uh, at the same yes. time because, you know, it could be frightening, mm-hmm. you know, it could be you need those graces. Yeah. yeah, you need those graces to do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, lots more to discuss on this, and we'll be <laughs> dropping in this point about um, solitude and um, tuning in for next week's show. Um, we just, I think, set the table to kind of whet y'all appetite and uh, more, more to come with uh, with what we're going to be discussing. Thanks so much for uh, listening to Handbook for Humanity. We would love it if you would share today's show with others to spread this message and bless more people in Acadiana. Today's show was made possible through the generous support of the DeSarmo Foundation.